Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I love this for this reason. You know, the fact that you're here this morning tells me that you know the real reason for the season. I'm sorry, but it's not Santa Claus. It has nothing to do with lights and decorations. It's not for trees or presents. It's not for vacations and travel, though I know we do those things and we enjoy them. How do you know the real reason for the season is Jesus Christ? I love that. Christmas or Christmas is that time of year where we all gather together and we assemble together and we worship together to really celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I'm super excited. Uh, I see some faces here that I know are in town visiting uh, family. Maybe you've lived here for a while and you went away, but Christmas is the time you came back. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy uh, this Christmas with us. And I know the Christmas season for many is a time of excitement, a time of hope, a time of relationship, maybe even a time of, of generosity. But I'm also aware that each Christmas season sometimes brings with it its own challenges and its difficulties. There are those this very Christmas season that are celebrating the first Christmas with a young one. That's exciting. And there are also those that are with us today that may be celebrating the first Christmas without that loved one that they're going to miss tremendously as the holiday continues um, with that. And for every family that looks forward to this Christmas season, I know there have been some families that aren't quite looking forward uh, to this season as well. And maybe that's why I think it's so important that we celebrate Jesus at Christmas time. We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. I mean, we still need a Savior in our lives. If you find yourself in the most wonderful time of the year, I got news for you. You have a reason to worship. And if you find yourself in one of the most difficult seasons of the year, I got news for you too. You have a reason to worship. It was an author and worship leader, Matt Redman. He said this, he says, the heart of God loves a persevering worshiper who though overwhelmed by many troubles is overwhelmed even more by the beauty of God. He then goes to say this, we can always find a reason to praise situations change for better or for worse, but God's worth never changes. And my prayer for you, I think this Christmas season is that you'd find meaning in your moment, that you'd find peace, true peace in his presence and a kind of joy that can never be taken from you. And I believe this Christmas, if you'll look for it, that there is a gift prepared for you this Christmas season. You say, Pastor Don, what do you mean a gift? We've been talking about it for the last several weeks. The, the series that we've been in looking up to and leading toward Christmas has been entitled The Gift. And what we've been talking about, what we've seen, is that sometimes life brings us things that don't quite look like gifts. How many of you have gone through some things in your life? You say, I, I don't know, Pastor Don, it's not, not quite a gift. We talked about challenges and difficulties that wind up in our very own family trees. How many of you got to choose the family that you were a part of? You, you got to choose before you were born. How many of you wish you were born to that other family? Don't raise your hand if they're, if they're sitting, sitting next to you. Today. You don't get to choose that. It's a gift for you. It's a gift 
for you. How many of you are looking for the, the gift receipt or want to know what the returns process looks like on that? You don't get to. There are times, seasons, even people that come into our lives and maybe they don't look like a gift yet, but they will be. Maybe you've been fooled by the wrapping, the wrapping that comes on situations or circumstances that at face value initially when they come into your life, it looks like it's for your harm and nothing good can come from this moment. Yet over time we see that those things do have a way of working out together for our good. And though we were fooled by the wrapping and we didn't like the struggling, we can ultimately see how God has a plan and he's worked out for us. It's been a gift to us. Even last week, we talked about people and perspectives that come and try to rob our joy from a season like this, a season where we're supposed to have joy and and we can't because of the things that are happening. How many of you know we have a real enemy who likes to steal, kill, and destroy the things that God wants to do in your life? And what happens when when that joy gets robbed from us, you just miss your opportunity to present Jesus to the world. And our Christmas has been focused on the gift And we see that in each of these, there is a gift. It's a promise, a hope, a savior. And who can tell me what his name is? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the greatest gift that we've been given. I want to ask you this question as we dig in today. What is the greatest gift that you have ever received? Think about it for just a second. What's the greatest gift that you've ever received? There's a, there's a list, a running list that I found on the internet. How many of you know you can believe everything that you read on the internet? And uh, this is a list, and it was labeled the worst gift ideas ever. Right? And since we have a few hours before Christmas morning, I thought it would help you out and show you some of these. So if you've made the mistake and bought one of these things for somebody, you still have time to fix it. Husbands, I'm talking to you. Here's, here's a running list of the worst gifts Ever top of the list, vacuum cleaners. <laughs> vacuum cleaners. Not a good gift, guys. Not a good gift. And I think that extends to mops and mop buckets, no matter how special or fancy the handle is. I saw a mop bucket the other day. It spins itself for you. So you can, okay, save it for later, not for Christmas. Here's another one that was on the list. Worst gifts ever. Self-help books. Yeah, nothing says, I think you're struggling better than a New York Times bestseller, huh? Yeah, don't do it. Let's avoid the self-help books. Here was another one. Anything diet or exercise related. No treadmills. No gym memberships, please. I even saw this was on portion control plates. Did you know they even have that? Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Any moms here in, in the room? Moms, let me see. Show of hands. Be proud. Loud and proud. That mom's all over the place. Uh, your gift was on the list, believe it or not. Socks and underwear. Stop doing it. I think I, st- I speak on behalf of every child in the world when I say, Mom, we do need socks and we do need underwear, just not at Christmas time, please. And the congregation said, Amen, Amen. I was shocked that this was on the list a wig. Is that even a thing? I, I wouldn't know. Maybe I should, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know that. Here was another thing on the list. List worst gifts to give. Clothes that are too small. Or clothes that are too big. You, you do realize you can't win either way. Right? You lose. You get somebody something that's too big. And like, what? You think I'm fat? 
Or you get them something too small and now I feel like I'm fat because you gave this thing to me that I can't wear. Here was one I want to encourage you not to buy this holiday season. A subscription to an online dating website. There are other ways to hint at what you think they should be doing. This was last on the list, and for good reason. I don't recommend this. I was shocked to see it on the list. Cemetery or burial plot. (laughs) Expensive, yes, but highly suggestive. And if you get somebody this, you may end up with it yourself. Um, Just be, be careful. I was thinking about this list scrolling through those. And I remembered the worst gift I had ever received before in my life. The worst gift. It was actually the most expensive gift that I've ever received. i got to take you all the way back to high school Pastor Don, 16 years old, in the height of the 90s. Come on, somebody. And three of you. Okay. (laughs) And uh, as every 16-year-old, I was looking forward to the day when I could drive that first car. And I had it scoped out. I had it planned. I don't know about those of you that remember maybe some car guys here in the room. How do you remember the, the Pontiac Trans Am from the 90s? Six-speed, manual transmission, T-tops. I'm telling you, I had it picked out. That was going to be my first car. Only problem was I didn't have the money for it. And mom and dad did well, but at times not so well. And this was one of those times. And uh, I was... Really excited when my uncle called. And not just any uncle. This was the wealthy uncle. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The, the wealthy uncle called and said, Hey, so glad you're turning 16. I have a car and I want to give it to you. I'm like, yes. He knows. He knows. This is the kind of uncle that would drive that Trans Am that I'm talking about. He, he lived out of state in New Mexico. We had to drive all the way to get there. And I remember turning down the street Big houses everywhere, nice cars in the driveway. And I pull up, we turn the corner, and there's the house. And there's my first car sitting in his driveway. Y'all want to see it? This was my first car right here. (laughs) For those that are uneducated, this is a 1981 Volkswagen Rabbit. Volkswagen Rabbit. There's a reason why you don't know about them today. They didn't last very long. That wasn't the great car. It was not high on the list for a 16-year-old. I think my dad knew what kind of car it was and just built the whole thing up so he could humble me as a prideful 16-year-old. But fortunately, my mom won out, and she was afraid that if I drove this car around town, somebody would run me over like a rabbit. And I ended up getting something different later. Man, worst gift ever. My first car. One of the best gifts I remember ever receiving was actually a computer from my dad when I was 12 years old. A computer. I was, it was just myself. I was so elated. It wasn't till years later that I realized how many of his most valuable items he had to sell in order to buy me that gift that year. How many of you know that gift meant something more when I knew how much was given in order to give that to me? I got to thinking about this and maybe you'd agree with me on some of these gift giving truths and let's see if these play true for you the way they have for me the best gifts always cost the giver do you agree with that yeah best gifts always cost the giver how about this one the best gifts come from those who know you really well 
Maybe you'd agree with this one. The best gifts come from those who love you most. The best gifts come with no strings attached. Those are the best gifts. No strings attached whatsoever. How about this one? The best gifts are the ones you can't buy yourself. Those are the best ones. How about this one? The best gifts are the ones you didn't even know you needed. Those are good gifts. And then maybe this one's true for you the way it was for me. The best gifts aren't yours until you receive them. The best gifts aren't yours until you receive them. When I was a young child in a single mother's home for a season, Christmas time rolled around. I think it was probably after Thanksgiving. I started making my list. How many of you had a list when you were, you were growing up? Right? The Christmas list, right? Every mailer, every catalog. You know, I couldn't go to Amazon when I was young. I had to do it the hard way. I would go through and circle things and make a list. And I had this long, long list from my mom of what I wanted for Christmas. Maybe your kids still do the same thing. And I knew this. I, I knew the situation we were in. And, and I knew I wouldn't be able to get everything on my list. But I hoped maybe just one of those things would, I would receive for, for Christmas. And that was part of the joy and the magic of Christmas for me is I got to wait until that moment when I get to open that gift and see if it was one of the ones I had been planning on and preparing for and looking forward to. It was a special, special moment for me. Maybe, maybe just once I could get those gifts. I was hoping my mom would be a good gift giver and get me something. Do you know that God gives good gifts too? really good gifts. I'd go so far as to agree with him and say that God gives perfect gifts, good and perfect gifts. In James chapter one, verse 17, we read that it says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. What do you mean shifting shadows? There's a light shining on me right now and I'm casting a shadow in a couple places on the stage. If we move that light, what's going to happen to that shadow? It's going to move as well. But how do you know God does not change? He does not shift. He doesn't change his perspective for you, towards you, or about the season that you're in. It is stable. It is true. You can count on it. I'm grateful for a God that gives us good and perfect gifts and doesn't change his mind when he wants to do something different. Are you grateful for that kind of God? And I started thinking about the good and perfect gifts and, and realized you may not be aware of all the good and perfect gifts that God's word has for you here in this book. They're all right here. They're all in this word. So I thought I would take some time today and lay some gifts out before you that are all present in this book. Imagine yourself sitting down. It's Christmas morning. The trees up. The lights are lit. And in front of you has placed this gift and you know it's good and it's perfect. It's from you. You can't wait to rip it up. Here's the first gift that we read about in scripture. It's the gift of grace. How many of you are appreciative of the gift of grace in your life? I've heard, I've heard it said grace is G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's grace. It's, it's a thing you, you, you don't deserve. I, I've heard mercy and grace described this way. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Grace is receiving what you do not deserve. 
How many of you know grace is a very, very, very important gift? Matter of fact, Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians, it's the only place where I see these, these extra words put around it. In their prayers on your behalf, they long for you because of the, look at this, extraordinary grace that God has shown you. Thanks be to God for his, what's that word? Indescribable gift. His indescribable gift is grace. I mean, we could stop right there. God's grace alone is an amazing gift. But there's more that he asked for us. Look at this other one. The gift of repentance. I didn't realize this early on in my life. That the ability to stop going in the wrong direction. To see that God is over here and you're going this direction. That's a gift from God. Repentance is that process where I'm walking this way, far from where God has me, and I realize that I'm doing the wrong thing, and not only do I stop, but I turn and I start going the other direction. How many of you are grateful for repentance in your life that has helped you get back on the right course? That's a good, good gift. A good, good gift. This, past, this passage that we're looking at in Acts, Peter and some other Jewish leaders used to think that repentance and following God was something only the Jews could do. They didn't realize that other non-Jews could follow him as well. That's where this passage comes from. He says, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. How many of you grew up around some people that were far from God? Later on in life, you see them in church and you're like, Oh my goodness, that's the last person I expected to be here. Newsflash, they said the same thing about you after service. The pastor would love to be here. I didn't know this person was here. What happens in a person's life that gets them from going one direction and turn around and start going the other direction? What kind of gift is that? Can you tell me? It's a gift of repentance. Here's another gift that we get to unpackage today through God's word. It's the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation, being saved from an eternity of punishment. Nobody ever uses the word saved when something bad isn't about to happen, right? I was on my way to do this and it was about to be whatever and then I got saved. I was about to drown and somebody saved me. I was about to fall off a cliff and somebody saved me. There is an eternity of punishment prepared for everybody who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But thanks be to God and his word through his gifts has given us the gift of salvation. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the what? Gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. There's not a person in here that can brag about your eternity as if you did something on your own. That comes from God as a gift. Here's another one. It's just as important. You can unwrap this one as well. It's the gift of justification. The gift of justification. Pastor Don, what does justification mean? It's my present acceptance by God. God looks at me and says, I accept you as you are. Look at this, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I like to say justified is this way. Just as if I'd never sinned. 
When you unwrap that gift of justification from God, here's what happens. We all have sinned, but I get to go before God the Father, and he looks at me just as if I'd never sinned, if I have this gift of justification. Let's look at another one here. The gift of reconciliation. The gift of reconciliation. How many of you know some difficult relationships that need to be reconciled? They may even be in your own family. That may be at the top of your prayer list this Christmas season. God, if I could just reconcile this relationship. It's been a long time and and I've had a change of heart. If only they would answer the call or if only they would come over this gift of reconciliation. Look what the Bible says. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Did you know that when you're reconciled with God this way, you can reconcile relationships this way? Some of us struggle in our relationships this way because we've never reconciled our relationship with God this way. Something happens to you. It's a gift that God gives you. When you become reconciled with him, you now have the ministry of reconciliation with other people in your life. Y'all want a couple more gifts? These are so good. They're in God's word. You may not have known this. Here's the next one. The gift of eternal life. The gift of of eternal life. Jesus was having a conversation with a woman at the well, and he was using well water as an illustration for the life that comes up out of us. And he said, woman, if you knew the gift that was right here before you, you would pray, give me some of that living water. Look what Romans says. It says, for the wages of sin is death. This is what that means. What's due to you as a result of the sin in your life is nothing but death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a free gift granted to us through Christ by God the Father. How many of you realize an atheist would tell you when you die, nothing? I got news for that person. When we die, everything, everything happens when we've been given the gift of eternal life. Here's another one you may appreciate. I know I sure do. The gift of a fresh start. The gift of a fresh start, new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And look at this. All this is from God. Here's another gift unpacked for us through God's word and his promise. The gift of righteousness. The ability to win in life. What do you mean? Romans 5 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free, here's our word, free gift of righteousness. They will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I think of righteousness this way, right choiceness. The ability to walk through life and make the right choices. How many of you know if you can walk through life making the right choices, you're going to win in life? God gives us the ability when we walk with him to make right choices in life. And we can win in life if we have this gift of righteousness. Here's one that I know is a favorite of most everybody in here today. The gift of a helper, the Holy Spirit. That's a gift that God 
gives to us. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. In Acts, we read it. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You got time for one more? There are over 20 of these that I found in the gift. Here's, here's one that I cannot miss sharing with you today. It's the gift of his son. The gift of his son. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look at this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. How many you know that's a good gift? That's a good, good gift. The gift of the son. When his wife passed away, a wealthy entrepreneur and avid art collector became a single dad. And the adjustment was hard, but fortunately for him, his son took to his love of art and the two of them began to travel all over the world. And, and they started to acquire some of the most sought after pieces, things from Rembrandt and Monet and Van Gogh. And it was a truly spectacular collection that the two of them gathered over the course of their life. And now a very old man, he marveled at how sharp and how astute an art collector his grown son had become. As winter approached, war engulfed the nation and the young man went off to war to serve his country. And after a few short weeks, the old man received a telegram. His son was missing in action. Days turned into weeks and his greatest fears began to realize, wondering if he'd ever see his son again, only to have the worst fear of his life come to fruition with another telegram. His son had died while rescuing another soldier. Distraught and lonely as Christmas approached, the old man felt so much sadness and so much loss. This was the holiday that his son loved the most. It was his favorite. He looked forward to it every single year. But now gone was the joy that used to fill that house. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door woke the weary old man. And walking to the door, his heart was broken. He couldn't stand to look at the art that was all along the walls. He gets to the door. And standing at the door is a very sharp-dressed, very young soldier. And he's holding a large package. He opened the door, and the young man spoke. And he said, Sir, I was a friend of your son's. I was the one that he rescued before he died. May I come in? The old man let him in, and the young soldier began to tell stories of the son's love of art that he would share, and how he would always brag about the travels and the places that they would go and the things that they would find and the, the valuable things that nobody else would appreciate that they were able to find and, and encourage some of these incredible pieces that they had collected. The soldier said, hey, I, I too am an artist. And he handed the old man that big package that he was holding. The man tore off the paper to realize in it revealed a portrait, a hand-painted portrait of his son. That was nothing spectacular. You wouldn't see it. 
you know, in a museum anywhere. And I don't know if anybody other than the man himself would have appreciated this painting, but he couldn't help but stare at it for what seemed like hours, noticing every intricate detail in his son's face. He thanked the young man, and he assured him that he would be hanging that portrait in the most prominent place in the house, right over the fireplace, right on the mantle. And the two of them talked for hours, hours and hours, and the soldier kept telling story after story. He wasn't the only soldier that his son had rescued. He had done that several times, and several others are living today because of the sacrifice of his son. The old man did that very thing. He pushed aside all of the artwork and hung that portrait over the fireplace shortly after the soldier left his home that day. The following spring, the old man became sick and he died. The art world was abuzz. No one knew of the story of the son. But in his honor, and according to the old man's will, this was what was to happen with that art collection. There was to be an auction. They were going to auction off all the art. Can you guess what day he wanted to auction off all this art? Christmas Day. Some of the wealthiest people, museum curators, art collectors, all gathered together in this home that Christmas Day. They were anticipating all the things that they'd be able to see. Some of this art had been off the market for so long. It was expected to cost millions to acquire some of these pieces. It truly was the most spectacular art collection ever assembled. The auctioneer welcomed everybody to find their seats. And as they got situated, everybody was shocked when the auctioneer opened the whole auction with this painting that wasn't on anybody else's list. Nobody expected this to be there. Can you imagine which one he started with? It was the portrait of the son. And the auctioneer said, I want to start bidding. We're going to open bidding for this portrait of the son at $1,000. Would anybody like to open the bidding at $1,000? Silence. Not one offer. Auctioneer got a little nervous and he says, okay, well, how about $500? Could we open the bidding at $500? Now he's hearing grumbling from the room. Nobody cares about this photo. Nobody cares about this portrait, this painting that had taken place. They were after the other things. How about $100? Anybody give me $100 for this? Finally, they were mad. They yelled from the crowd. We're not interested in that one. Let's move on to the other ones. Nasha said, I'm sorry, it can't be done. This one has to be sold first. Is there anybody that would give anything for the son? Finally, an old family friend happened to be standing in the back. said, well, I only have $10, but I knew the young boy, and I'd like to have that painting. The auctioneer says, I've got $10 going once, going twice, Sold $10, the portrait of the son. There was a relief go throughout the room and some excitement started to buzz as people repositioned in their seat, ready to go for the next piece of art, the one they were all there waiting for. And the auctioneer returned to the podium and he closes his book and he says, ladies and gentlemen, the auction is now closed. 
You could imagine how aggravated and mad they were after everything that happened, only to have it closed. He said, you don't understand. There are still millions of dollars worth of art to be auctioned off. How can you say that the auction is closed? The auctioneer looked at them and he said, I'm sorry, but the rules are clear. According to the will of the Father, he who gets the Son gets them all. And I have some great news for you this Christmas season. There isn't just one gift prepared for you. There are many on the list. But unlike my childhood Christmas list where I wondered and had to wait to see if maybe I could at least get one of them. You don't have to wonder if you'll get one. You can know today because according to the will of the Father, he who gets the Son gets them all. Every gift that God has for you, every good and perfect gift that comes from above is available to you. All you need is the Son. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Earlier in the service, I told you about some of the best gifts. And I want you to think about that story and where you are in your relationship with God, His Son, Jesus And I want to remind you that the best gifts always cost the giver. Your Savior cost God his son. I want to remind you the best gifts come from those who know you well. God knew you before you were ever born. The best gifts come from those who love you the most. And he loves you more than anyone you will ever know. The best gifts come with no strings attached. And we read that salvation is a free gift. The best gifts are the ones you can't buy yourself. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you think you are, you cannot save yourself. And we said the best gifts are the ones you don't know that you needed. And until God reveals himself to you, you are lost and hopeless. And then finally, the best gifts aren't yours until you receive them. And I want to ask you today, have you received the son? Because if you haven't, all of those gifts, no matter how nice, no matter how prepared, no matter how precious, no matter how much you've been looking forward to them, unless you receive the son, you don't get any of them. But if you receive the son, You get them all. You say, well, Pastor Don, how do I receive the son? I would tell you today, it's as simple as A, B, and C. A stands for admit. You have to admit that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. It has caused you to go in one direction when God wanted you to go another. And if you're here today and you could say, Pastor Don, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I would say next is B, believe. You have to believe that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you didn't have to. To pay a debt that you couldn't pay, to be able to live a life that you couldn't live yourself. If you're here today, say, Pastor Don, I admit and I believe that God sent his son Jesus just for me. 
And I would say the only thing left to receive the son is to confess. Pastor Don, what do I have to confess? Confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. Savior is easy when things are a mess. When your life is about to run off a cliff and you've got no other choice and no other hope. But it's Lord that makes the difference. Are you ready to confess him as Lord? Here's what that means. God, your ways are better than my ways. Your way of doing that is better than mine. And apart from you, I can't do anything of worth or of value. Jesus, I'm ready for you to be Lord of my life. Jesus was having a conversation with a very religious man, a very wealthy man. And Jesus used this phrase. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. This man had a hard time wrapping his head around. He said, how how can I enter into my mother's womb again and be, be born again? Jesus said, there's two kinds of births. There's a birth that happens from the womb, a birth of water. It's a natural birth. And then there's a birth that happens of the spirit. It's a spiritual birth. Where God takes you from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Give you from having no spiritual appetite to having a spiritual appetite. And he says, do not marvel that I told you, you must be born again. That word born again, that's not an OSC word. It's not a Pastor Don word. That's not a Protestant word or even a Catholic word. That is a Jesus word. And it describes what happens when you receive the son. You are born again again and if you're here today and every head is bowed and every eye is closed I want to ask you have you been born again have you received the son could this Christmas be the Christmas where every gift that God has for you comes to you when you receive the son if you're here and you don't know Jesus if you don't know that when you die the next face you see would be the face of Jesus I want to know I want you to know that you can have that kind of confidence. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front, but I am going to ask you to do this. If you're here, you say, Pastor Don, I want to receive the son. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and look up at me right now. Go ahead. Raise your hand and look up at me. Pastor Don, I've never been born again. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Raise your hand and keep them up. Thank you. I see your hand. I'm glad you're here. All across this room, balcony, I'm looking. Thank you, I see your hand. I see your hand. Pastor John, I haven't been born again before, but I don't want to miss this Christmas season without receiving the sun. If you raise your hand, you can put it down one more time. Pastor Don, I didn't raise my hand, but I don't want to miss this opportunity. Those that are around you are praying for you right now. One more time and then we'll pray. Those of you that raised your hand, I want to get you to, to say this prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. God has saved you, but this prayer acknowledges what he's done in your life. I'm going to invite all of us to say this prayer with me today. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. To give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. 
And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's celebrate with those who are born again today.